infinity. It's an emotion that we get. That feeling of, I'm bigger because I know how small I am. To be conscious is to be wrangling with infinity. We can create beauty and experience wonder regardless of how fleeting that experience may be. Fake science! Hoax. <laughs> Welcome to Court Killers, the show about defying that infinity exists. Also about watching the stuff you love when you want, where you want, however you want. I'm Tom Merritt. Yeah, man. If infinity is so infinite, how come I know a guy who went beyond it? Answer that, Bryce. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I guess you can go behind, beyond it. That's the whole point of the show, I think. Wait, for reals? Uh, kind of. <laughs> so that was a trailer for Netflix's upcoming A Trip to Infinity, which is streaming on September 26th. Mathematicians and scientists explain the concept of infinity and its role in the universe. Infinity is is a, is a big to-do. You've probably heard about it in math class. Um, and there are a lot of very interesting properties that only apply to infinity, the idea of an unending uh, a constantly growing number. So, uh, uh, oh, oh, sorry. Uh, that so that's you can September twenty sixth as a single as a single number uh, as a single idea. Yeah. I am absolutely yeah. going to watch this, and and I think my fourteen year old is at the right age for it. But uh, because I remember going, uh, one of the classes I took freshman year uh, was a, a, a theoretical math course um, where we learned the difference between countably infinite and uncountably infinite. Mm. Like mm. Uh, 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 one, two, three, the natural set of integers goes forever, but it's countably infinite. Uncountably infinite is the infinite number of slices between just zero and one. It's, uh, mm -hmm. it's uh, sorry. There's a lot of... This is going to be the whole show. Just, just <laughs> yeah, right. about exactly. infinity. <laughs> so that's uh, September 26 uh, so on Netflix. That was what I was going to ask. When when is that when is that going to happen? Yeah, uh, I, I kind of think that infinity might be a flaw, like be an indication of a flaw in our brains, somehow. Um, let's save that for after talk. <laughs> yeah, if you're a patron, stick around. Meanwhile, we're going to talk about our primary target. Over the past five years, the collective average audience for the big four broadcast networks, if you don't count sports, all right, we're not, we're not going to count World Series, Super Bowl, stuff like that. But we're just talking about regular old primetime television. It has fallen 33% in the past five years, just the past five years, to 17.5 million viewers. I mean, you, we talk about some of these old ratings sometimes where, where shows had triple that amount, just one show. Uh, what is the role of broadcast networks these days? Well, the Wall Street Journal ran a story by Joe Flint on September 10th called TV Networks Have a New Role, Farm Teams for Streaming Shows. Mark Lazarus, chairman of Comcast's NBC Universal Television that my wife works for, uh, called it an infinite loop. Actually, uh, more appropriately, NBC Universal Television and Streaming called it an infinite loop. Speaking of infinity, uh, saying, quote, we are able to move our audiences through our services. So he talked about the idea of it premieres on TV, then it goes to on demand, then it goes to streaming. Uh, ABC noted that Abbott Elementary benefited from ABC's reach uh, in order to get exposure and then picked up a sizable amount of different viewers on Hulu. So it it got no notoriety on the broadcast, 
then went over to Hulu. Uh, CBS chief executive George Cheeks said that CBS's primary role now, the broadcast network CBS, is to be a first stop on a conveyor belt that eventually ends with Paramount Plus and Showtime now. Uh, some network shows are skipping the line, though. They're they're jump, jumping straight to streaming. Days of Our Lives is now only on Peacock. Uh, Dancing with the Stars is only on Disney+. Plus. Primetime schedules, on the other hand, are filled with multiple versions of Law & Order, uh, Chicago, whatever, NCIS, FBI, this or that. Uh, those are not necessarily the things you think are most likely to be big on streaming, though you often see back episodes of NCIS as a top streaming uh, destination on Netflix sometimes. So I don't know, maybe they are. Networks are also putting more news on their broadcast day. So Days of Our Lives gets pulled over to streaming. That slot is now open for national and local news. Uh, in fact, NBC may even drop the 10 p.m. hour Eastern, 9 p.m. Central from its primetime lineup uh, and move late night programming up earlier. So you'd get news earlier and late night uh, with Seth Meyers would would move up. Uh, so would The Tonight Show, et cetera. So I don't know, Brian, uh, what do you think of this idea that that Joe Flint put out here that TV networks are now the farm team, not the not the premier destination. Well, uh, just so I don't lose the thread, uh, the implications of making late night earlier are kind of brilliant because we're moving to an era where late night programming exists so that it could be chopped up and made into delicious early morning YouTube content. Exactly. And the faster you're able to publish that, the faster you're able to to get traction. So that part, although they shoot at the same time. So you could you can publish it whenever, but I guess you get to publish it an hour earlier, right? So correct, correct. Not? I mean, you certainly can't publish it online until you know the, the yeah. hot take segment until after it's it's been premiered. So yes, move that premiere. In a weird way, I think we're seeing kind of a parallel to the um, uh, the, the the windowing that we saw when it comes to movies. Which brings mm. me to my gut feeling is that while that's an eye catching headline, and it is possible. If I do enough gymnastics that I can see uh, television being a farm league for streaming content, I can only see it in the way that, yeah, bothering to make a bunch of Karate Kid movies was a farm instrument <laughs> to make Cobra Kai or right. bothering to create a comic book character Wolverine, have several iterations of it, including the movie Logan, was a farm team. So eventually you could have one narrative podcast uh, based on the character. I, 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 I think the better metaphor is to just say that um, the dollars aren't in broadcast. They're in the long tail just like the dollars aren't in movie theaters, they're in the long tail. What is in the movie theaters and what is on broadcast television is prestige, is a blessing, is is a coronation of sorts that uh, I think does have tremendous cachet. I I look at this and I think, okay, if I'm presenting to my CFO or the shareholders uh, and I try to describe the reality, which is, well, we have these very expensive legacy broadcast networks that get a lot of very old people to watch shows about doctors and police people and fire people. Uh, that's going to sound like a dead strategy. And the I, I will rightly be asked, well, then why are you spending money on that? Uh, and the actual answer is a bit inertia and a bit defense strategy. Like, well, we're still making money off of it. So we want to keep 
it going as, at its top level, even if it's just the older demo watching it as long as we can. Uh, it sounds better for me to say, but beyond that, it's a farm team. Look at these great success stories. Dancing with the Stars came up on broadcast and is now a prestige element of Disney Plus instead of just another thing on on, on the schedule. Uh, Days of Our Lives, a heritage show, might have suffered cancellation had it been kept a broadcast, but we've moved it over to Peacock uh, where it can continue to live. I, I think they're on to something when they when they talk about that pipeline of broadcast isn't totally worthless to streaming. They're not two separate things, but I don't know that I would call it a farm team because I don't look at broadcast networks and think, ah, here are all these young plucky shows seeing which ones can get the attention uh, and make it to the big leagues of, of Hulu. That's, that's just not the way it's working. Stuff's going straight to Hulu. That's more prestigious. Stuff's going to HBO max. That is more prestigious. Broadcast is more of a, uh, let, let's try some things out uh, with the older audience. And some of those might even work on streaming better yet. They will work as back catalog because the younger audience that is interested in the broadcast content won't watch it on broadcast, but they will watch it later as catalog on streaming. I'm having a thought right now, and you could tell me if this lands. Uh, I think that the real detriment to saying the words farm team and why they should never say it again is because there's a mirror image to that prestige. Just like there's a prestige to being primetime broadcast in your content, there is a prestige to buying those ad slots. Because um, mm. uh, uh, Justin Robert Young uh, was editor-in-chief of iTricks and uh, that, that went to compete with up-to-the-minute Magic News. And it was up against Magic Magazine, Genie Magazine, uh, all of the trades or whatever. And all of the Magic shops that would buy advertising in those magazines, they would receive the magazine, they would go through, and they would see, that's my name. There I am. That's my picture. And they would feel good. Then they would buy, for the same budget... Ads that would absolutely reach more people through iTrix, and then they'd say, I've reloaded the website 55 times, and I ain't seen my face once. And then they have to explain about impressions and all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah. So so, um, so I, I think that there's there are some people who will be... Uh, invested in the prestige of both co There's the content time and the advertising. Left on the lingering aura of prestige around broadcast. Is that a good way to put it? I think, I think that, I think that time might be infinite and like vinyl, it will never entirely go away. It may give a very thin slice, but it will always I, be beloved. I disagree with you on that. Hmm. Uh, I, I think what's going to happen is what happened to radio. Uh, when television came around in the 50s, radio was premier and the big networks uh, were the two NBC networks and CBS. And they turned one of the NBC radio networks into ABC uh, and, the, and then CBS, NBC and Dumont uh, were the other networks. And TV was this upstart that people are like, well, they're taking these big prestige shows from radio and then they're doing TV versions of them. And that's the way it was for the first couple of years. Then TV started to have its own hits that weren't based on radio dramas. And eventually radio dramas went away because they figured, well, wait, radio is better for something else. Radio is better for music. Radio is better for news. Uh, and that's what radio is now today. Radio is about talk. It's about news and it's about music. I think the same thing could happen to broadcast TV where people will start to change and realize, oh, television shows, dramas, comedies, those belong on streaming. 
TV, broadcast TV is good for sports, maybe still, maybe, although that's also doing well on streaming, but maybe it's good for news. Maybe it's good for emergency broadcast. Maybe it's good for accessibility. And maybe broadcast television networks become known for something different. And just like we went from, oh, that's CBS radio to, oh, that's CBS television, we will go to, oh, that's Paramount+. Plus. Uh, and and the new big four networks will be HBO Max, Paramount Plus, Netflix, something along those lines. Oh, man, uh, you th- you threw a real wrench in my brain, Bryce. Uh, do do you have a hot take on this at all? Uh, I mean, I think there was a good quote in uh, in this Wall Street Journal article uh, that that said that the broadcasters are going where the viewers are. The viewers, the a lot of them are moving to streaming. Uh, whether or not there continues to be a base of people who only watch broadcast on cable or over the air or or what have you, um, it does not seem like that's a pool that is growing. Despite the fact that that is a, an audience that needs servicing, it, it, it seems like people are looking for the convenience of streaming or the convenience of choosing their content package throughout the month. Um, and can try you know they can try and pedal uphill as much as they want but it's not like the the theaters where the 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 90 day 45 day windowing issue it all has to go through one one mechanism of premiering a film where all of the uh, all of the broadcasters and networks and studios are building their own platforms so they they they're kind of going their uh, on their own path on this. So uh, I, I have one last theory, and then I'm going to ask everybody to write us at cordkillers at gmail.com. But what if there is a hierarchy of fidelity? And at the very top, you have your prestige films, your, you know, Batman, The Dark Knight Returns or whatever uh, arises. Uh, and uh, below that, you have prestige um, broadcast television. Below that, you have cable television. Below that, you have streaming. Below that, you have FM radio. Below that, you have AM radio and so on. And what if what's happened is everything is still the same, but it's just that streaming has become higher fidelity than mm, it moved broadcast. Up the chart. And so now broadcast has to accept its new role as, well, if I'm afraid there's a tornado, that's when I'll turn the, them on. Right. And I, that, that's a, a much more efficient way of, of getting to the point that I was trying to get to, which is radio used to be the pinnacle and it dropped. Broadcast t- TV it is, 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 used to be the pinnacle. Maybe it's still the pinnacle. I don't know. It's, it's in flux, but it's probably dropping. Right. Uh, and then the question will be, do we need the delivery mechanism? Do we need to use that spectrum for television? And I think that's where I'm changing my mind. I used to think like, no, that's going away. We're going to use it for Internet. And you'll just broadcast internet. I think it'll last a lot longer than I had used I, than I used Tom, to. Tom, name one international conflict that would justify keeping broadcast airwaves and not relying on internet data. Uh, yeah. Or 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 name one time that there there's been a storm come through and knock out your internet, and you had to rely on broadcast. Although actually, radio is a little better for that than TV in the in those situations. Although, although there'll I, there'll come a time when there's so much redundancy and uh, shared least bandwidth with Starlink networks and all the competitors, where yeah, they're, they're I think maybe eventually that is the case, yeah. right? Where there there will be free internet, uh, where where you'll just be able to get a certain amount of internet for free with your device 
uh, and that you pay for the higher fidelity, for the higher bandwidth, et cetera. Uh, but there'll be a certain amount of information you'll just get. And then, then you won't need FM, AM, TV, any of those. I think that's pretty far down the road. Now, this uh, may still. be a hot take, but I think there's one thing that has been free for far too long. I have one more point before you get to there. Uh, I, I just want to put shots. this out. I, I, <laughs> no, <wanna> <laughs> I just want to throw a curveball. I just want to put this on the record. Uh, I think there's a 67% chance that Peacock changes its name to NBC within the next five years. Oh, that'd be great because then they would have wasted millions more dollars on stupid brand names just to change. It'll, they, it'll they'll be, be in the club along with uh, uh, HBO. It'll be the thing Discovery. where it's like, oh yeah, they, at first they named it this weird thing, but eventually it just became NBC. I think maybe CBS does it. I don't know what it, Disney's going to do with Hulu and ABC, but I think that NBC brand is so valuable. They'll eventually realize like, oh, trying to reserve it for broadcasts isn't a good idea anymore. And they'll just... They'll just flip. But now you got me mad. You have to do the pa Patreon plug now. <laughs> the well, patronizing plug. <laughs> yeah. If you don't want to be patronized, then be the patronizer <laughs> by joining Patreon at patreon.com slash cord killers. There's only one way to keep this show loud, live, and independent. And that is to support us on Patreon with just a buck. A buck with inflation isn't even as much as it used to be. That's like asking you for a nickel. Yeah, congratulations. Days. You just got a discount. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so come on, stop being a skinflint. <laughs> Hand the, over that worthless dollar to patreon.com slash cord killers. We'll take it. We yeah. aren't proud. Uh, you're, the, you're the only boss of us, and uh, you get the after talk segment. You get everything in your own uh, RSS uh, feed. It's super easy. Look, man, by the time you put in your credit card info, that dollar won't be more than a nickel. So give us a nickel. <laughs> Store your <laughs> money. The, uh, with the us. 2022 equivalent of a nickel. Uh, $2 <laughs> at patreon.com slash cord killers. Now let's talk about how to watch. Disney is uh, on the schedule to buy out the rest of Comcast's stake in Hulu in the next few years, uh, the earliest being the beginning of 2024. Uh, Longtime listeners, court killers, uh, know this. We, we've touched on it, that, that Disney was able to buy out most of Hulu, AT&T, Fox, because they bought Fox, but they had to come to an agreement with Comcast to be a silent partner, and Comcast still owns a little chunk. They're now in the process of trying to agree on the price to buy out Comcast. Because of that, we're seeing some odd headlines as Disney tries to play down the value of Hulu and Comcast tries to play that up. Uh, Comcast chairman and CEO Brian Roberts told a conference, Comcast would be interested if Hulu was put up for sale. In other words, like it's not valueless. If they tried to sell it, we'd be interested. Don't expect that to happen. He's just, he's just trying to be like, hey, this is a valuable thing. More likely, Disney and Comcast are going to dance around a price, agree on one, and then in 2024, maybe 2025, it'll all be Disney's. Disney CEO Bob Chapek teased the idea of what would happen when they get that flexibility of wholly owning Hulu as a hard bundle that would be Disney Plus and Hulu. You may ask, what is a hard bundle? Well, apparently, it's, quote, Merging the apps together into one app. So I guess the pending merger of HBO Max and Discovery Plus is a hard bundle. Uh, does the fact that ESPN Plus content shows up on Hulu already, if you subscribe to both, make that a semi-hard bundle? 
Uh, uh, that's sort of, yeah, I don't know. I'll tell you this much. It sounds an awful lot like a little thing we used to call cable. No, I wouldn't go that far. That's the knee-jerk response. Oh, they're just bundling all. These are just a couple of services. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say it's cable. Would well, you? Uh, really? I mean, you get family content, content for the whole it's fan. It's not about the type. You it's get about sports. Cable you get was live. all the content from all the providers. And uh, for some people, Disney is everything. you don't get a choice in what's in there. So uh, before we walk uh, away. Cable would be you're getting uh, Paramount Plus, Hulu, Disney Plus, HBO Max, Discovery, uh, uh, who am I missing? Peacock, uh, all in one, and you don't get to choose what goes in there. That, that let's not let's not let's not forget what cable was like. Well, it sounds like my phone bill. That, that that also sounds like the way cable was back in the late seventies, early eighties, when they would do campaigns like MTV would say, "If you don't have MTV, call your cable provider and demand they add it to your bundle." Of because cables. otherwise, there's no way for you to get it now. There's always a way for you to get it. You just have to pay to get it or not. Uh, but I, I will return to my my hard, soft bundle jokes, though. Um, <laughs> uh, right now, with Showtime, if you subscribe to it and Paramount Plus, you have Showtime content showing up in Paramount Plus. Uh, though you can still get each separately, too. In fact, Paramount is in talks to make that bundle available to cable companies. Because what cable companies are coming uh, are becoming is the bill handler for your streaming services. Uh, but we we already started to jump the gun and started to talk about uh, all this. Do you really think that merging these services together is as bad as cable? Uh, no, uh, but I do think it's inevitable. It's like because um, uh, we're not merging all the services. It's Disney saying like, oh, maybe Hulu will just be a section of disney plus so yeah that's what i mean you, you have a small moon it gets smashed into by an asteroid at first it splits into a bunch of pieces gravity wells develop and 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 so no it won't be universal just one cable but maybe maybe three dare i call them major networks of programming alliances come together so there's yet again what's old is new again and we end up with with, with three things now i will say that i i, I strongly suspect that this Hulu thing has is absolutely inevitable if for no other reason than because it solves a an increasing problem for Disney Plus. They're trying to be both the kids network and also kind of creep a toe into more grown up yeah. content. Uh, and it's in, at some point it's going to be a bad look. At some point they're going to be in trouble. If if they just nab Hulu, they're done with it. All the grown-up stuff lives on Hulu. All the kids' stuff lives on uh, Disney. All the sports stuff lives on ESPN. That's it. Except what he's talking about, the hard bundle, which really is just merging the apps as far as I can tell, but he calls it a hard bundle. So, okay, we'll call it a hard bundle. Would be Hulu as a section of Disney+, Plus, but ESPN+, Plus would not be a section of Disney+, Plus, but ESPN+, Plus can be part of Hulu, so could it be part of Disney+, Plus, but still also exist separately? I, I think hard bundle is code for a new name and i got it getting angry thinking uh, about it i don't think it. so i don't think so i think it's called disney plus but what it, whatever they do is disney plus i think it's code for we just want to fold hulu into disney plus but we can't say that out loud i i disagree because then hulu yeah. becomes one because, of the because, big five on under the disney plus it gets exactly, it's a sixth button right 
You get discovery. And a seventh button for all the sports. You know, hey, man, you watch the NBA but, but finals He's saying that ESPN is not necessarily part of this. And I think that's a smart play given that the whole a major like consumer uh, element of going to streaming is people don't want to pay for sports. If people don't want to pay for sports, don't make them, which would be uh, a reason to keep I, ESPN optional. Can, can I throw I, you? Can I throw you a pitch? Okay, the I, and then bundle, I'll throw you one. Unless you're going to make the same pitch, I am. I think Go we're ahead. about to make the same pitch. The hard bundle is called Plus, Disney Plus, Hulu Plus, ESPN Plus. They try to own the word plus. No, they're they'll get that'll get them excoriated. I don't know about the naming aspect, but I think you're along the same lines. Of I can imagine Disney Plus lets you add Hulu, and that's the only way you get Hulu, right? If you're a current Hulu subscriber, it'll just download the Disney Plus app, and you can now access Hulu. But Disney Plus Hulu will be a section of Disney Plus, but it's a section you have to pay extra for. Maybe not even a lot, maybe like less than you pay for Hulu right now, but it will be an add-on for the adult content. So if you're like, I'm a family, I don't even want my kids to, to have, have it in the house, you just do Disney Plus. But if you're like, no, no, I want it all, then you do Disney Plus Hulu. And then ESPN Plus stays like it is right now, which That's is modular. a separate service that you can have independent. But if you subscribe to both, it can show up in Disney Plus so you don't have to change apps. Okay, just picture this. You walk up to the front gates and you, you say, hey, I'm here to watch Detective Vic Mackey brutally murder another cop. Uh, is there any way for me to get there without, uh, oh, no, Spoiler. just walk past all these princesses, walk past all these cartoons, and then take a left and down the road, you can find all the cop murdering you want right down the road. It's, I, You're right. They should take children's programming off of Hulu. No. I, I, well, I, 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 well, they, if children are going to be there and get in front of Cop Mackey, no, well, then maybe they should be in a separate app, separate but, but equal. But again, if you're going to, if you, if the only way to get to uh, uh, Dirty Town is by, is by entering the gates of Disney Plus. That's so? feels like a hard sell. Over uh, what is so so? What is your alternative that they keep Hulu as an app and a name that for when mommy and daddy want to watch TV? They watch an, Hulu. I you think, create an umbrella, call it Plus, and it, it has three elements. Okay, but we're, but, sports with the plus. The okay. names already have plus in it. And they're talking about reducing the number of names. That's the story here is that they want to merge these two. That's what's going to happen. I I, right? I, I, I'm, I or, kind of get where Brian's coming from, where uh, from a different angle, if I just want Hulu stuff and not Disney Plus, right now I just get Hulu. But if Hulu is a hard bundle with Disney Plus, can I do that? Or do I have to get Disney Plus and Hulu? In the scenario I described, it kind of sounded like you'd have to get Disney Plus, then add on Hulu. And I don't know if, I, again, I don't know if everybody is going to want to do that if they want, you know, FX shows. Will they want to pay for Disney Plus and Hulu? I guess it kind of depends on how much it is. But yeah, I do like the idea of like, here's the portal app and you choose which elements you are. Each element is priced differently. You can have just the Hulu stuff, just the Disney stuff, just the ESPN stuff. But I, I wonder if that is where they're going, which is Disney Plus is family friendly. Hulu is adult stuff and ESPN is sports. And they're just trying to figure out the best mixture, which is why Chapex being so vague, because they're like, we know we want to do that. We just haven't figured out the best way for us to do it. Calling all speculation to cordkillers at gmail.com. Indeed. Uh, is even if you're like Comcast is going to buy Disney. Good well, okay. Not that. No, that's 
Okay. Uh, they do pay for my health insurance, so I have to be nice. Let's talk about what to watch and under surveillance. Not like this, it's all about location, location, location. Under surveillance. Now, I have a little bone to pick with the Emmys. Uh, it's fine that you want to do your broadcast on Monday, but starting it like immediately after Cord Killers ends at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 Eastern, uh, is just rude because it makes us wait a whole week before we get to talk about the fact that the primetime Emmys were last week. Uh, but as has become tradition on Cord Killers, we must count them. HBO Max won. They got 12. Five for The White Lotus, four for Succession, and one each for Euphoria, Hacks, and Last Week Tonight. Apple TV Plus came in second, uh, took four, all of them for Ted Lasso. Netflix got three, one for Ozark's Julia Garner, and two for Squid Game. Uh, best actor to Lee Jung-jae and best director to Hwang Dong-hyuk. Uh, Hulu got one for Michael Keaton in Dope Sick and Amanda Seyfried in The Dropout. Prime Video got one for Lizzo, uh, Watch Out for Big Girls. And what the heck? Let's include some non-streamers too. Abbott Elementary won for ABC uh, and NBC got one for Saturday Night Live. So I, I think there were two for Abbott Elementary for ABC and one for NBC for Saturday Night Live. Even though Netflix didn't win the most though, Squid Game was notable because it was the first non-English language program to win a major category primetime Emmy. Uh, in fact, no non-English language program had even been nominated for one of the major categories before. So that last part to me, normally we count up whether or not streaming is winning. Streaming is one, but now yeah. I'm fascinated by the idea. Like we've seen non-English movies take best picture at the Oscars before, right. right? Because there's an international film distribution system that has existed for decades. I, absent streaming previous to the last 10, 15 years, I can't conceive of any way of a, 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 a foreign language, a non-English uh, television show could possibly have taken an Emmy. Like, can you guys? Like mm. just the idea of maybe HBO doing a non-English language show could have won an Emmy? Well, back in the 1990s, Maybe. it would have been a Cable Ace Award because they weren't even invited to the enemy, Emmys Yeah, yeah, at no, the time. I know. But, but eventually, HBO started to win Emmys, and, and it, became, it became the thing where HBO is always going to win the Emmys because they have the best shows. Maybe during that period, they could have, but they didn't. That's the, that's, the, that's the closest I could think to it even having been possible. Yeah, no, that th this to me is 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 the remarkable bellwether aspect of this. Yeah, I, I, I think it is a singular uh, symptom, symptom, result, result of Netflix being worldwide in a way that no other cable network has ever been. No other broadcast has ever been. There have been networks that have had presences in multiple markets that's not new, uh, but usually the norm is, well, NBC is American, and then they sell their shows through other networks overseas. HBO is probably one of the most international before Netflix comes along because they had HBO Scandinavia and HBO in Europe, and, and, and they sold their shows in other markets, but they had lots of international markets. Netflix is the first one to ever say, we're just going to make our service available in every nation where we can legally operate the way we want to operate. So yeah, North Korea, not going to get us. China is not going to get us. Uh, but pretty much every other 
market is going to get Netflix. And then we're going to program to that and not worry about, oh, will this be a hit in the U.S.? Great. If it's a hit in the U.S., that's good. But we also need hit, hits in other large population centers. We need a hit in France. We need a hit in Germany. We need one in Korea. We need one in Japan. We need one in Australia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, and I think that leads to the unexpected result of, well, we made it for this market, but unexpectedly, a bunch of other markets glommed onto it and realized, hey, that's really good. That and the decision to do the dubs. To, oh, the dubs. I thought yeah. you said so that dubs. So that people were who are put off by captioning, which is usually what people say, ah, I don't know about these foreign language films. I don't like reading captions. Uh, if you do the dubbing, suddenly they're like, oh, well, I can watch Squid Game in English. Then great. Yeah. Uh, this really is neither here nor there, uh, but, but personally, I dig the international literacy that my kids are growing up with that, that was difficult for, for me as a child of the seventies. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Lawn makes asks, when do we get the broadcast to Ace Awards? <laughs> yeah, put, their, when does broad <laughs> put them in their cage. Their, when their does broadcast channel? have to come up with their own award show because they can't win Emmys? Uh, that's actually hilarious to think about. And I wonder, I wonder if we'll, we'll, we'll get to that point. Um, speaking of Squid Game, though, uh, Huang Dong-hyuk uh, talked a little bit about the next series of Squid Game for Netflix. He expressed regret for killing characters, said he's struggling with whether or not to bring some of them back somehow. Uh, he said, so many characters died, especially beloved ones died. I'm sorry I killed them so easily. I didn't know this was coming. <laughs> Basically like, well, if I'd known I was getting a season two, I might have done things differently. Uh, he also said that season two will be set in Korea. It will have Korean actors. but if there's a season three, which there's not yet, but who knows, uh, he said he might bring on Hollywood actors. Uh, Huang said that Di Leonardo DiCaprio has said he's a big fan many times. Huang said he also has decided what games will be in the next season. He really hopes people will keep that under wraps and told the media at the Emmys, quote, if I get too drunk and babble, I ask you to suffocate me to stop me from giving spoilers. Uh, I, I have a proposal that involves revealing a minor spoiler for a fantasy series that I like a lot. Um, so if you intend to read The Lies of Locke Lamora, um, mm. please stop listening. But in that first book of the series, there are a lot of characters, and then there's, uh, but, but it's told a little bit in the past and a little bit in the present. Uh, some of the characters get killed, and that story continues to go forward in time, and they continue to tell a little bit in the past and a little bit in the present. And what's wild is when the characters are lost at, in book one, you're like, oh, I, I like those characters. And then uh, by book three, you love them. And you set, I just got goosebumps thinking of the betrayal of, of like, how could you do this? To, so there, there is a pathway to, yeah. to, to if, if he were to do a similar thing with like that. Yeah, because uh, he he talked about Sabiuk uh, being a best friend and how without Sabiuk around, like how do you tell the other uh, story? Uh, but yeah, maybe there's maybe there's flashback, but then that friendship only happened in the the Squid Game. So I don't know if you could flashback to season one to see things that we didn't see uh, or uh, something. That 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 that. that that is a big hurdle to jump. The fact that nobody knew each other. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. That, that, that's a problem. 
Uh, but but I don't know. Maybe you bring in new characters in season two that knew the that characters knew, from season one, yeah. and they're they're looking for them. You know, or, they're trying or, to find or, out. Or what maybe happened we follow them. the story of the people who kept giving these people credit that brought them to mm, this place of mm -hmm. despair. Because almost certainly there'd be you know a few loan sharks that would link them. Also, what do you think of this idea of uh, DiCaprio being one of the guys behind the masks? Fine, fine. No, yeah. Fine. Too, too insidery Hollywood. Hey. Yeah, yeah. I, I do love the quotes that Juan gives. Uh, he's hilarious. Uh, uh, intentionally, I think, but also sometimes uh, unintentionally. I, you know, the idea of like just just suffocate me if I start giving spoilers. He's just he's just speaking his mind and having a great time. I, I'm I have big respect for him. Uh, I'm very happy for him. Tell me if this tracks with you. He's talking like somebody who is uh, playing with house money. Like he's already won and he totally. knows he's up and he knows that, that everything after this is bonus. So he kind of has nothing to lose and he's just amazed and talking yeah. like it. And he's not cowed by it. Right. Uh, he, he's not, he's thought about all this stuff before, but never thought he'd have a stage to say it. Uh, and, and now he's like, mm, what the heck? Might as well just, just say it. You know, I'm not going to be a jerk about it, but I'm going to speak my mind. I think it's great. Uh, Amazon confirmed that it will make a limited series for Amazon Prime Video called Blade Runner 2099. That would set it 50 years after the movie Blade Runner 2049. Uh, the show will be produced by Alcon Entertainment, which also produced Blade Runner 2049. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I try not to be the knee-jerk person that goes, well, Amazon isn't doing as good with Lord of the Rings as I thought they would. Uh, first of all, because we haven't finished that series, maybe it's, it's, you know, totally going to end up being beloved. But second of all, that's a different team, uh, than Alcon entertainment. And just because they did one franchise one way, doesn't mean it's either going to be successful or not successful for another franchise. Cause it's got an entirely different set of people working on it. Past Brian would have been bitter and jaded and assumed it would be garbage. But, uh, present Brian saw how much better I'll say it better 2049 was than the original Blade Runner, oh. and oh. Uh, and if it's the same team, then then uh, and my cyber axe. <laughs> That's the wrong franchise. <laughs> I will say though, just Amazon did that Philip K. Dick uh, series, a Man in the High ago. Castle. Well, mm -hmm. uh, no, not that one. The other, oh. the anthology one with uh, Brian uh, Cranston. Um, uh huh. Uh, elect. Electric Dreams, maybe is yes. what it's called. Uh, that was a so-so show. Even better, even better example is that they did that, and it was like, eh. But they also did Man in the High Castle, which was really good. I, I loved it. Lon Makes points out that Alcon produced The Expanse. Does ah, that affect right. things That's for you? That's all I needed to know. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I couldn't cut it on TV. <laughs> Alcon... Uh, yeah, those expanse is really good too. I don't know. Uh, Alcon makes stuff I like. The Man in the High Castle was a thing I like. Amazon was involved in both of them. Who knows? This could suck. <laughs> I just have no idea. I'm surprised uh, that I, you, I'm surprised you're more guarded about this than I am. I guess maybe it's a lower stakes animal to me. And I was going to say, I guess really what 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 where my head should be is what story can they tell fifty years down the road that will be compelling? A new one. Well, okay, sure, but. Why does it have to be set in Blade Runner world then? Because if, if it was awesome. going to be really new, but what's awesome about Blade Runner that makes you go, I'm going to tell a new story, but set it here. 
the replicants, the entire yeah. setting of it, and I, the, just the foundational cyberpunk text of Blade Runner. Uh, Your Honor, the defense rests. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the, the that's not enough for me though. The nature really? of humanity, the nature of humanity aspect. That's what you're getting after. Well, yeah, that's uh, yeah. Like, what makes us? What well, makes us human? That's, what's that's, human? What's yeah. real? Yeah. All right. Yeah, if they can come up with a good story, that's the key, they right? Did. And they did with yeah. twenty forty nine. I, I will not deny that it was At, a good story. And there are there are storylines that they didn't get to from the book mm-hmm. that ju- that just didn't make it into the Blade Runner movies. Uh, yeah, that you totally could mine a lot of good stuff. And there's storylines in the book that we're very glad that they didn't get to. Oh, we have. And, to talk and I'm about a fan that. of the book. Oh, yeah. oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, Do Andrews Dream of Electric Sheep is almost an entirely different thing yeah blade runner yeah it is yeah, yeah it Very is much. maybe they should make that into a movie ah oh. uh, well what if they called it blade Do runner 2099 <laughs> or what about just that's blade runner? i don't know if that would work uh hmm. turn turn the like the detective mystery uh, story of the book into another movie that is not the action like do I, I there was a really good graphic novel made of do androids dream of electric sheep that is not blade runner in any way uh if you could do a movie a version of that just like really start over and do the book is I'd, I'd be uh, I, man i'm too far away from having read the short story to remember for sure but it's a but, novel it's full like novel uh, yeah. uh uh, the uh, the part that stuck with me the hardest is how decayed everything was and yeah. how it there there was at some point a brief meditation on uh, uh, the emergence of Kipple the, uh, mm-hmm. the digital trash the just yep. everything eventually and everything it was illegal decays. to own a real animal right and and so uh, if, well, if and there weren't any animals anyway if twenty ninety nine wants to explore that were there? yet largely unexplored aspect of it. Uh, I think there's something wonderful yeah. there. Yeah. I, I, I'm not saying it's impossible for them to do it, but that's the trick. And that that's the trick they pulled off with 2049 was like, all right, let's pull on the, these threads. Just y- y- the, the key is picking on the right threads. All right. Let's talk about what we've had our eyes on. Brian, what's something you've been watching? Uh, I loaded up the, uh, the Deadwood movie and uh, watched the first three minutes and burst into tears. Why did Why you burst that? into tears at the first three minutes of the Deadwood movie? Because Calamity Jane is riding a, a, a horse drunk uh, to the grave of Wild Bill Hickok and begins mm-hmm. to mutter to herself about how 10 years gone uh, she goes to visit the grave of her beloved. I, I, I can't even do it. Uh, the reason it was so poignant is because I read the memoir from uh, David Milch called Life's Work that begins with uh, an update on how much plaque is in his brain and how many hours he's able to stay lucid as he wrestles with Alzheimer's and uh, just tells this heartbreaking, amazing story of, of, of his rough upbringing, his addiction to heroin, his, uh, how he fell into uh, uh, Hollywood, writing for Hill Street Blues, the way he writes, his process, um, uh, developing NYPD Blue, getting sober, uh, uh, the, the high times of, of Deadwood 
and the abrupt cutoff from it and uh, about the cancellation of Deadwood, he says this, this uh, it's a longer quote, but I only remember the beginning. He says, only a child thinks these things can last forever, and only a child believes you can't start again. And then he talks about how he, he comes, you know, he loses all his money to gambling and, uh, and finds out he has Alzheimer's. When they started production on the Deadwood movie, everybody knew his diagnosis. And they did it, uh, they kept it secret during all of that. And he would have uh, moments of lucidity during everything, but he describes in vivid detail the moment that Calamity Jane begins her soliloquy and uh, uh, the opening lines of the movie. And they, nobody knew if they could recapture the magic. Timothy Oliphant wasn't sure he wanted to do it or try for it, put on the badge again. But the moment she says 10 years in, her voice hitched and it was like a spell happened and mm. magic occurred and time turned backwards. It's a, it's a powerful book that is causing me to go back and rewatch Deadwood. So beyond the movie, you're, you're watching the series too? Uh, I mean, uh, casually, but, but mainly uh -huh. just to appreciate all, like he explains so much of his nuance and why he wrote almost all of it in iambic pentameter and so on. It's, uh, and it's not just to sound like Shakespeare. It's, it's like, like to him, like that, that world, that story began as a, as a, a, a uh, holy story about uh, 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 Paul and his conversion to Christianity and mm. trying to uh, convert people in Rome and just getting beat up all the time. And HBO said, that sounds great. We kind of have a show about Rome. And he's like, well, I'll, do, I'll make it somewhere else. Uh, what else do people worship? Gold. They worship gold. <laughs> and then that's where, that's where it's, it's a great book. It's, it's a great story. It's, it was painful and hard for me, but gave me a deep appreciation for his work. I still want to do a, a episode of one of my podcasts in Deadwood someday. Like just go to Deadwood. Oh, actually physically go like to the, the place. actual city. Well, yeah. the, and which they did, uh, be uh, before they did anything. And, uh, I'll not spoil they anymore. Did one but, of my uh, podcasts. In no, Deadwood? Uh, the book, the book is called life's work and, uh, it's from David Milch at all. No, but I'm just saying, like, I, I would love to go to Deadwood because of the, the richness that Milch brought to the show, uh, and everything. I, 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 I'm fascinated with going there and like seeing the reality that was behind that, that, that inspired him. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to recommend a, a, no, I take that back. I'm not going to recommend this. I just want to talk about this because I think it's really interesting. Uh, there's a YouTube documentary from a music label called the source, uh, about the group La Seraphim, which is a, a K-pop group, girl group. Uh, it's a four-part documentary. It's done in that that style where you show uh, the people doing, they, like they did cameras of the first day. Some of the members showed up uh, after passing the audition. Uh, they, they, they show them working hard to, to rehearse. You get you know, all, if you're into the music, you get alternate versions of the songs from the early rehearsals and stuff like that. Uh, but two things that I, I think are significant about this that, that made me want to talk about it is one, that it is the label doing a, a pretty unvarnished look at what goes on in the practice studio. There's, there's the, the dressing down uh, of them. There's them crying uh, because they don't think they're good enough. Uh, it, it's as transparent as I've ever seen an actual company produced thing ever be. Uh, so I think that is interesting and it's well edited and, and well shot. The other thing 
is that this used to be a six person group. And after they launched and released their first album, one of the members of the group uh, was accused of bullying when she was in high school. Uh, there was a public scandal and she eventually left the group. This documentary covers the part when she was still in the group before any of that happened. And I don't know if it's because they don't want to tell the story or they are legally prohibited by that member from telling the story, but she is cut out so effectively that if you didn't know she was there, you'd never, you, there's no clue. Like it is, it should win a prize for editing. How surgically Sovietly yeah, I was about they to say a, a prize for person. propaganda or <laughs> and and I'm I'm fascinated because it could be that they just didn't want to tell the story, but they also still have the music videos with that member in it. They they didn't change thumbnails on the YouTube page or anything like that. They still sell some of the merch that so they haven't gone that far. I wonder if there is that member saying you cannot use my name going forward for anything. Right. Because there's might be bad blood over that or, or something else. I don't know. Uh, but it, it's fascinating. What, whatever the reason uh, to, to see just how expertly they did that. Like I, I was able to find some of her hand in like a couple of choreography scenes and that was it. Wow. Um, yeah. That sounds to me like um, if the story is she was a bully, then technically she would own the story rights to that. And if she had a good lawyer agent, they would say, oh, you've not purchased those story rights. If yeah, you want right. that to be part of the story, you purchased her ability to talk. be in this group, which you then changed right. and said you can't be in the group anymore. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating. But anyway, it's called The World is My Oyster, uh, which is the name of one of the songs off their first album. Uh, it's a documentary and you can find it on YouTube and uh, we'll include the link in the show notes. Uh, oh, also, real quickly, I finished the Orville, and you know how I was rage, rage, raving about how great sci-fi it was? By the end, I, I still enjoyed it, but that last season, they have like hour and a half long episodes sometimes, and it, it just felt long. Uh, like, oh, like, not, not in a good way, just in a, a, a fatty kind of way? In a sort of like, I could never watch an episode all at once. I'd have to stop and come back to it later. So, good? Great stories still. Okay. Great characterizations and acting, but I'm like, I think these needed an edit. Like, I think they just went on a little too long. Hey, Bryce, what you been on the lookout for? Hey, I got something for you. Uh, this is a, a Netflix anime selection for you. It's Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Uh, this is set in uh, the the same uh, tabletop RPG world as the popular video game that came out a few years ago, Cyberpunk. Uh, this follows David, who is a teenager in the rough and tumble uh, streets of Night City, uh, and uh, he, with a, with a stolen military spinal implant, uh, ends up joining a gang called the Edge Runners, uh, and and gets into all sorts of you know the whole thing about Cyberpunk is very much like a rags to riches. Uh, uh, street tough sort of uh, story. So there, there, it's it, he's trying to rule the streets or something. It doesn't matter. Um, one of the very cool things about this is uh, the animation studio behind this is Trigger, uh, which is a powerhouse of an anime studio. They are like one of the best in the world. Uh, they are working with CD Projekt Red, who made the game, um, and so you see a lot of visuals and things like backgrounds and um, certain types of designs that match up with some of the stuff in the game. Not only that, the original score is by Akira Yamaoka, who did the music for the Silent Hill series um, and was knows how to make a sad indie rock song. 
and the theme song is by Franz Ferdinand, the band. Like like a made original for this. I, I don't know if it's original if it's necessarily original, but it's a great song and it's so perfect for it. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, it's called Cyberpunk Edge Runners. I, I I think it's ten or twelve episodes. They're half hours, so that it's also an easy watch. But I I I went through half of these uh, in one day, and it's and it's great. It is really hard to overstate uh, uh, how strong of a story and how strong of character development that they're giving to this, especially given how. Mm, how many question marks were over that very high-profile video game from a few years ago? Right. So, uh, so that's Cyberpunk Edge Runners. It's streaming on Netflix right now. If you got something we should be able to look out for, please email it to us, cordkillers at gmail.com. Thank you. Well, my friends, uh, I have a newsletter uh, that is about technology. So if you like my talking about technology, a little bit on this show, a lot on Daily Tech News Show, uh, but you'd like to spend some time reading it over, uh, go check out Tech Tom techtom.substack.com, like tech time, but tech Tom, uh, where I take some of the things that I'm researching and writing uh, for Daily Tech News Show and Cord Killers uh, and put it available in newsletter form for you. Uh, most of it's free. There's a little bit of extra if you, if you want to support it by paying as well. Go check it out, techtom.substack.com. You'll need a computer to read it. Yep, and unlike us, who have ours on loan from doghousesystems.com slash rogue, you can buy yours from doghousesystems.com slash rogue. Help us work off our debt and, and get unmatched support, top of the line, everything. They're the best people on the planet. Doghousesystems.com slash rogue. Let's move out of the front lines. Front lines. Netflix released a trailer for its second to doom event to dumb to doom they all say to doom in the trailer anyway i think it's to dumb isn't it they all say to doom what yeah listen to the trailer again it's weird anyway i would say to dumb yeah you can expect announcements uh when they do it for the witcher stranger things squid game outer banks umbrella academy elite money high spinoff berlin uh you're gonna get stuff about the movies extraction 2 glass onion and knives out mystery the school for good and evil enola holmes 2 uh if you want to watch the event kicks off from Korea at 10 p.m. Eastern time, September 23rd, which would be in the morning in Korea. Uh, then it goes to India, takes a break, comes back at 1 p.m. Eastern from the U.S. and Europe on September 24th, and then finishes at midnight, which will technically be September 25th from Japan. Man, this this feels like uh, I'm getting a strong, like, uh, you know, at E3, they would break out like, now it's the Microsoft block. Now uh, it's the Sony uh-huh. block. Now it's the, it's like they're doing that, but for regions of, of different yeah. programming. And that timing where that region can more easily tune in, but everybody can tune in if they want, because uh, it's going on. Yeah. yeah. The Wall Street Journal saw a document shown to ad buyers saying that Netflix estimates its ad-supported version of the service would reach about 40 million viewers by Q3 2023. It holds some ad buy- it told some ad buyers that a launch will happen November 1st with full availability coming next year. My question, Tom, mm-hmm. is that 40 million new viewers? 
dollars. That is a good question. Because if you yeah. raise the price, you can make that happen overnight. <laughs> when when you uh, when you are talking to advertisers, all the advertisers care about is how many people you're going to put that ad in front of. But that is a very good question. Uh, is that forty million additional? Because if I'm a Netflix shareholder, which I am not, but if I were, I'd want to know: am I, am I cannibalizing those forty million from from existing paying subscribers? If so, is the money per user going to go up because they're advertising supported subscribers? Lots of good questions. Warner has reversed course on the movie Magic Mike's Last Dance. No, they haven't canceled it, but it was originally going to head straight to HBO Max. Instead, it's going to get a theatrical release on February 10th, Super Bowl weekend. Uh, Showtime's Sinead O'Connor documentary, Nothing Compares, also going to be released in theaters. This is more for awards consideration, uh, so it'll hit New York and Los Angeles on September 23rd before coming to Showtime September 30th. But Magic Mike's Last Dance is is just doing the full about face. Uh, HBO Max, which once put all their movies on HBO Max the day they went into theaters, now now taking them off HBO Max and putting them into theaters exclusively, at least for a period of time. Uh, I, I think part of this is a vote of confidence for the health of uh, theatrical releases in general. Part of it is a vote of confidence for the quality of this film. Uh, uh, either way, uh, it, it does kind of echo our sentiments that we were talking about, about broadcast and theatrical releases having carrying prestige with them. I, I think David Zaslav uh, has shown, if nothing else, uh, that he wants to do the moves that make the most money for Warner Brothers Discovery. And so it must mean that dollar per dollar, putting it in a theater uh, for a period of time before you bring it to HBO Max is going to make him some cash. Yeah. You don't just want to just show everything all at once. You want to tease them. You want to you're like, it's just behind it's in this theater. Anyway, Disney removed the movie rogue squadron from its calendar. That's one to be, that was the one that was going to be directed by Patty Jenkins. It had previously been scheduled for December 22nd, 2023. It's hard to say what that means for the fate of the picture, but it's probably not great. Meanwhile, Disney is still developing feature films with Taika Waititi, Ryan Johnson, and Kevin Feige. Yeah. And I guess they could still do one with Patty Jenkins, uh, but taking it off the schedule doesn't bode well for that particular Star Wars. Movie. Well, especially with with a, a title that has been primed for 20 years through the video game franchise mm -hmm. and books and so on. Yeah. And uh, it, it, the one thing that they have going for them is everybody loves Star Wars Disney Plus series. And they don't want to ruin that by putting out a movie that people go, ah, they just can't do movies. Uh uh, Which is uh, too bad because Obi-Wan would have been a great movie I instead know. of a series. I agree. Uh, here's a few other things. The CW is going to show a Walton's Thanksgiving on November 20th. Uh, this is a follow-up. If you remember last year, they did the Walton's Homecoming. These are reboots, different casts. Uh, Timothy Oliphant has been cast in an HBO Max series from Steven Soderbergh called Full Circle. It will also star Claire Danes and Zazzy Beetz. Rick and Morty season six drew in more than a million viewers on its premiere. Uh, so it did well. There's a trailer out for Babylon, a movie from Damien Chazelle starring Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie and Diego Calva set in 1920s Los Angeles. HBO dropped a trailer for the second and final season of comedy sci-fi show Avenue five, which came out right before lockdown. Uh, and then everyone, I think, forgot about it, but it's going to return October 10th for a final season. And Hulu will launch a reality show called Power Trip, wherein George Stephanopoulos mentors seven news reporters covering the 2022 U.S. midterm elections. That'll launch on September 25th. So when we have spoken about 
Rick and Morty, we've talked about uh, record-breaking mega deals, biggest uh, in Adult Swim history, you know, in, in uh, uh, an episode order that's the largest ever. Um, I mentally was surprised that it is news that one million viewers is a lot. <laughs> but then but then I recalibrated and I'm like, of course it is. It's Sunday night on Cartoon Network. It's 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 extraordinary. And then I thought uh, the Golden Girls would get four times that on a Wednesday. You know, it's 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 very there odd. There were a few other choices though, right? Uh, correct, correct, correct. In it's, so many ways. There uh, were a few other choices. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, Not to mention Rick and Morty's at the worst possible time. I mean, they're 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 kind of vod numbers, like, what, but what, like like ten thirty. It's like eleven p.m. Eastern time. Yeah. Like, yo, that's that's tough already. Yeah. And there's no free streaming. It's only purchase stream. Like, it's not on HBO Max or anything. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. these are meaty numbers. That's a meaty. You gotta want to watch it. Those the, 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 uh, a, a, a meaty profitable one million viewers. Indeed. All right, let's get to the dispatches from the front. Wayne wrote in and said, I was watching Snowpiercer, the TV series on HBO Max, and was in the middle of season two when it was removed. It is not available for purchase either. I guess I'll have to buy DVD or Blu-ray discs and then hope digital codes still work. Or if not, buy a Blu-ray player or a PS5 or a used PS3 or PS4 if I could find one. Currently, Season 3 has not been released on DVD Blu-ray, and it will annoy me to no end if Season 3 is never released. This seems like a lot of work to go to just to complete watching a series. No clue why it was removed from HBO Max, why it was canceled on TNT or TBS. I guess I was the only one watching Snowpiercer. That's the implication, Wayne, is that you you may have been uh, the only one watching it. I don't know. Uh, he says he checked all the services, Amazon, Apple, Voodoo, Google Play, YouTube. I'm going to pull up Just Watch and see what it tells me about watching Snowpiercer. But yeah, the implication is uh, if you aren't able to find it, uh, then, you know, that's... There just wasn't enough of a, of a number of people watching. Well, and and there's a, whenever there's a shakeup or an earthquake, there's sometimes licensing temporary hangups. Like I think I we, I think I shared that there was a hot minute where you just couldn't see the abyss anywhere, full stop. And then mm -hmm. finally, when you could see it, it was only four by three in standard definition, uh, edited with pan and scan, and, and then suddenly. HD came back again. So I'm, I'm certain there's behind the scenes. So here is what I found of where you can watch it. You can watch it on the TNT app, which would mean you'd have to have a cable login uh, in order to authenticate, or you can watch it on Spectrum or DirecTV On Demand, which again would require you to subscribe to one of those cable TV services. So it may be that the demo of people who are watching Snowpiercer is such that it is worth it for the cable relationship to restrict it to that, that arena, at least for now, plus all the things Brian just said about licensing, which can also uh, play a part in it. Yeah. I, I would say that in, I, 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 place a friendly $1 wager that within three months you'll be able to find it several places. Yeah. Gauchum is saying if you're not in the U S it's on Netflix in some places, which common with different regions will have different licensing. So, you know, that, that shows that it, it's, it's out there. Uh, if, if you've got a 
way to travel virtually maybe. Um, but yeah, uh, the, I feel like you're right, Brian, that this, this will resolve itself and it's a, it's a temporary windowing thing. Maybe the cable company's got some weird windowing agreement to, in order, uh, with Snowpiercer. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, Matt Bat wrote, I was watching the Emmys and saw an ad for the Quantum Leap reboot. And I remembered that you guys read my email on, on the show over a year ago. Laugh out loud. I love it when I get something right. Love the show. Matt Bat. Yeah. Cordkillers at gmail.com. Don't be a stranger. Yeah. You could be right. Just like Matt Bat. Uh, that's going to be all for us. Uh, our website is cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. And we are live on twitch.tv slash night attack, which is also carried on diamondclub.tv Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We'll talk to you next time. Hey, Tom Merritt, what's going yes. on? Uh, I'm just hanging out here watching this scroll go by. Uh, what are you doing? Trying to set up a bit where we thank our beautiful, beautiful patrons, all these wonderful names. I'm sorry, names. I'm too distracted looking at these beautiful, beautiful patron names going by. Look at that one. I mean, if you wanted to be one of these people, patreon.com slash cordkillers would be the place to go. I mean, they're, yeah. scra- they're, they're scratching our itch. Like, because we're I addicted. I think as long as it's consensual, like, we're, we're addicted to their money. And love. Might as well face it. Well, (laughs) goddammit. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this (laughs) program.